You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to the Land of Legacy podcast with your host, Adam Keith, joined by Matt Dye. We've got an exciting podcast for you today. We're going to be talking all about turkeys, strategies to kill turkeys, hunt them, strike them up. All things turkeys today, one of the things Matt and I love the most is spring turkey season. I've always said if you were to give me one week left on this earth and you said you can do one hunt, what is it going to be? I'd probably say spring turkeys in the Ozark Mountains. Matt may agree with me on that one, but uh, we're going to find out in today's podcast, so let's get started. Matt, what do you think? Oh my gosh, don't even get me started on the subject. I am uh, pumped up for turkey season. It is just around the corner, and... Um Honestly, there, there's so many different techniques and ways to kill birds and different theories and this and that. And, and honestly, I hope we're going to share a lot of good information about strategies that we've used and, and techniques and, and just different observations that we've made in the field. Things that work, things that don't work. and um, hope Things to, to never do. Yeah, things to never do. Lessons learned. And um, we're going to share that with you. And hopefully that's going to result in some... Uh, more tagged birds for you guys this fall. Fall, gosh, spring. More tagged birds this spring. Look at me. I'm already thinking about fall. Yeah. You asked me if I'd rather chase a turkey or a deer. I don't even know if I figured that out in my head yet. I've always said turkeys. Like if it's summer or dead of winter, I'll yeah. always say turkeys in the spring. But if it's if September it's, yeah. and I'm like, you know, I don't know. I really do like chasing. It, honestly, it's all about the buildup for me. Because, like, yeah. through the wintertime, you're waiting for the next season. And you're getting pumped up about turkey season. But then in the summertime, you're watching those deer in the evening. And then it's like, okay, it's starting to be killing time. September's rolling around. And, um, honestly, it's just it just depends on when you get the bad yeah. news that they've and, got and a week left to live. I think why you said fall is because <laughs> uh, right before we did this podcast, we spent a good 30 minutes going through Last year's, last year's deer cam yes, images and putting them on Deer Lab and going through and being like, "Ooh, look at this guy! This guy's going to be somebody." Yeah. So yeah, that was, hey, your brother didn't tell me about that one. <laughs> Wait, yeah. that's a different deer. Holy yeah. cow! So fall does look good, but we're oh, talking yeah. about turkeys in spring today. So, what do you want to start with? What do you want to? I guess I just say Matt and I have been hunting turkeys for a long time, and uh, we use yep. all kinds of different strategies. I think that's the as you touched on before. That's the awesome thing about turkey hunting is because you can be successful in so many different ways oh yeah in my opinion there's ways that are way more fun than others i don't mm -hmm. really like deer mm -hmm. hunting turkeys no, uh, no i don't no, like no, sitting no. there not calling i'm a running gun love to call love to hear him gobble to be honest with you High i don't I, I almost borderline and it's a bold statement to make but oh gosh, i would almost want to walk away from a turkey who's not gobbling and just hanging out and just go 
chase the one that may gobble somewhere else. I, I don't yeah. really like sitting and waiting on birds to sneak in, not gobbling. That, that's all part of it's the gobbling, the strutting, the spitting and drumming. That's all. That's all in the experience. So, yeah. And then you got people like my dad that uh, he'll sit there and wait them out, wait on. But wait it on, works too, though. Kills it's, them with patience. It's hard. It's hard to knock it. Yeah. Because he comes out with turkeys every year, though, too. So. Um, yeah, just, I mean, today's all about sharing different techniques and, and what we've learned and found, and I guess here we go. I mean, first question, all, everyone starts out with early season birds, birds that are typically hinned up, a lot of goblins going on, and you're feeling Lots. really positive right off the roost. You know, there's birds just hammering back and forth, this flock to that flock, but sometimes it's tough to bring that whole flock in. What do you do? go and i think before i answer that question oh the suspense. early season is the one that's probably the most frustrating to me definitely can be um yeah. but each and i almost was had it in my head that every time we're going to say we always have notes here before our podcast and we go through them not that we follow them but just yeah. so sound organized we kind of yeah so early season i was going to say fun fun time of the season i was going to say it on every one of them but you know, early season can be the most challenging just because – but it can also be some of the best and, and I guess, most amazing experiences because they're all flocked up. Yes. Especially if you're somewhere like last year I was in Nebraska and there was hundreds of birds in flocks and gobbling. It almost sounded like a turkey farm. And just gobbling, gobbling, gobbling. But trying to call those things away from the flock was – almost impossible Mm -hmm. um so early season approach a lot of times uh is deals a lot with decoys trying to put out decoys um they're still sorting out dominant some so you can put out strutting decoys those are really successful during the early part of season even putting out a couple of hens or a jake decoy thrown in there trying to mimic somewhat of a, a flock of your own but if you're going up a couple of hundred it it's kind of a joke but it sometimes works and it actually that that would be Probably the first thing I'm going to do when I'm going to a new area, it's early season, I'm going, okay, where are they at? Are they still flocked up? And if they are, then I'm going to be like, okay, I'm going to need my decoys or I need to know I'm going to have to scout and figure out where these birds are going through. Yeah, and I think, uh, as you mentioned earlier, you know, they're still sorting out some dominance, and so they're very showy. They're going to those strut zones. They're spending a lot of time there. Maybe that's an open ridge or or um, bottomland that, that's just flat and you can see forever. They're going to those places um, that are open, and they can they can show off the dominance. And, you know, that's when decoys really, really work to your advantage. That time of the year, the early season, the, the, like if you're in the Ozarks or you're in a place where it's cattle country, a lot of the pastures are still graze short. So yes. they're going to those fields because it's short. There's, a there's you know, uh, growing up, I hunted a lot on dairy farms and cattle farms because there was a lot of uh, corn that was con- consumed by the cows. So they were going out scratching around the cow patties and, that was just dynamite hunting. Um, so early season, a lot of times they're going to those fields, and they're in big flocks. They're really easy to see. They're very vocal. But all that said, they can sometimes be very much hard-headed in coming to your approach mm-hmm. or coming to your setup. So so let's say we've got a just a loudmouth hen who is just yelping, doing the, doing all the, 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 the numbers that you just – that's eating you up basically. She's out there, hundred yards. Gobbler's not leaving them. Best case scenario, like what? What are you doing to get that flock into range? So, you know, when you were a kid, you had siblings. I have a brother, 
You know, you play well, that, you play that game where they say something and you repeat them, and it makes them so frustrated like, they want to come stupid. beat you. No, you're stupid. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I do that all the stop, time. Stop mocking me. No, you stop mocking. Stop mocking me. Stop mocking me. Yeah. Stuff like that. That's kind of the game you play with these turkeys. When I hear mm-hmm. a real vocal boss hen and a flock of uh, – just a big flock, and she's out there, and she makes a, a sound, I make the, I'm trying to make the exact sound back. She starts cutting. I start cutting. She starts whatever – just getting real excited and yelping and cutting combinations. Mm-hmm. I'm doing the same thing. Just because then she may be like, it, I don't know who's over there, what hen that is, but I'm going to come check her out or I'm going to come show her who's boss. Yeah. And usually if you get her fired up enough, she'll come over and she'll drag that old Tom with her or Tom's if it is a big flock. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone's interested in, in honestly a fighting match, if you will. And um, if you can kind of create that, um, competition between a herd, especially that loudmouth hen, um, your chances of pulling them, that whole flock over, you know, definitely increase. And I've, I've seen that early season quite a bit. Um, and fighting perch, I mean, hens are hens are still still competition within hens. Um, and 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 if you can replicate a, a fighting perch sound, you know, that works early season as well. And some of the easiest ways to replicate those. Fighting per sounds is just with those old push pull oh, calls. Oh man, you, you can talk, give those yes. to a couple of kids and they can call for you. Yeah, yeah, so. absolutely. One one other thing that I've seen it work um, is you've got that that big dominant flock, and then you've got these other gobblers that are around. You know, they're sub subdominant to the uh, to the big to the big bird, and the big bird he's following those hens and that the big flock of hens. And I've had it where you've had these other birds that are surrounding. Almost like satellite bulls out exactly out like Colorado that. or out west. With they elk. just sneak in. They sneak in. Yes, you're calling. They hear you. Once that other flock flies down, pitches off the roost, they might start working another way. Those hens just start pulling those other go- the gobblers and the other flock away, and those birds sneak right in. I, yeah. Actually, it takes me back to an early season hunt I had in Maryland. I had birds roosted, went in there the the next morning, and. Um, Birds pitched down, went the other way. It's kind of a little frustrating. Then I heard, this is the first time this has ever happened to me. Bird actually limb hopped his way in. I could hear, <laughs> and caught him moving, limb hopping through the, through the trees to the edge of the field, and then pitched into decoys. But he he waited. He knew he didn't want to get his butt whooped. He waited for that big flock to move off, and then he came in. I was going to say, it takes a, a big chicken, if you will, yeah, yeah. to limb hop his way into oh, the Oh, he setup. did it. Yeah. And he paid for it. He knew what happened if he got on the ground with the other ones. Exactly. Yeah. I think that pretty well, that's kind of our strategies for yeah, early season. Definitely. Decoys, trying to mimic a boss hen or, or uh, you know, sit tight and see what kind of birds come in, sneak in that aren't really vocal or part mm-hmm. of the flock. And, you know, it, it may not even be, if you get an area with high turkey density, it may not even be a single. It may be a complete different flock that's heard all that going on and they just worked their oh, way. Oh, yeah. That. So... Yeah. You know, if you're in an area covered up with turkeys and you're kind of in the hot spot, you may just wait them out. Just sit a little tight. Yeah. yeah. And the one other thing is, if you know where that strut zone is, if you want to get tight to them on the roost first thing, and they pitch down, and they kind of shut up, and you can back out, I'd get to that strut zone and just sit up and wait. I yeah. wouldn't call because likely they're going to might turn the other way. Those hens leading the other way. And Okay, you lost me. You said not calling. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to eat breakfast and yeah. waiting. <laughs> <laughs> old ADHD over here sitting next to me. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that technique works. That technique works. All right, well, 
now we've covered early season. What about the middle of the season? What's oh, fun the, part of what's season? What's the approach? That? Oh, my uh, gosh. What is it? That's the you say. What's the approach? All of the above, I guess, is a good answer because oh no doubt uh, midseason you could still deal with some flocked up, um, flocked up turkeys, hemmed mm-hmm. up, hemmed up toms, but you could also deal with some hens that are you know they get they're going to the nest earlier in the season than, than a lot of the other hens, and so you start dealing with some lovesick hens. So it kind of is all about checking the temperature of the tom that you are hunting, um, and that's pretty much the and you know you can give tips on mid-season but if they're like i said in the early season if they're hinned up you use those approaches but uh we're getting ready to dive into late season toms by themselves and kind of our approach so that will be if you're dealing with a love sick tom and doesn't have the company of a bunch of hens that's when it gets real fun really fun really fast action and mm-hmm. i i start putting a lot of faith as we get to that mid-season in a late morning like a, yes. a lot of faith. Again, you like you talked about, you know, hens are they might start uh, go checking to to build nests or, or going to go sit if they if they bred early. Um, in that eight, nine, ten o'clock time, they get lonely. And um, I've gone back to the roost site and sat up. They shut up, you know, right there off off the roost. And I backed out and kind of went back in. And late morning, here he comes again. He'll fire right back up, and and that that's a lot of a lot of good fun. But all right, late season. Late season. You know, growing up, Missouri's always been about three weeks since I started hunting turkeys here. And uh, it's two weeks in April and usually a week in, in May. And that week in May, I used to be like, ugh, I don't like the last part of season. But You didn't like it getting warm on you. You oh, didn't like breaking hot. a sweat. It got so hot. Pretty boy. And uh, so it would be like, well, they're not going to gobble that great. It's really humid. And it's and they gobble a little bit on roost and they shut up. But in the last few years, I've started, I guess it's the way the weather's worked out. But, man, that's my favorite week. Oh, Hens are gosh. starting to really set on yep. nests. And, you know, like last year, we we tagged two toms that last weekend. It was just like. Last day. Last day. Oh, yeah. Last yeah. day. And, you know, before that, it was kind of like, I don't really, the season wasn't all that great. We were killing mm-hmm. birds, but it wasn't like they're real vocal, working real well. We kind of had to get in really tight. And my, my right. first bird in Missouri was a really tight get in. <laughs> Hundred yards, made one call, and they flew down, and there he was. But yeah. um, two minutes after that first call, yeah. So you know, late season, I love it because you're getting a lot of hens going to nest, and even right off the roost, you can get on a bird, depending on, of course, the bird itself and what's around you. But mid morning, it can be dynamite because most of the hens are going to nest, starting to prospect, do a little calling, and locate them. And a lot of times, if you can get them to gobble, they're going to come. Absolutely. Yeah. There's something about a late season, late morning hunt, and he gobbles and he responds. And if you've got a path of, I guess, let's say least resistance or an easy way for that bird to close the distance, I'm not by any means saying it's 100% by any stretch of the imagination. But that is where I find the most success. When when you've got a good setup, it's late season, it's mid-morning, they're coming. Absolutely, I would agree with that. 100%. And gobble their head off too. Yeah, for sure. They bring a new definition to love sick late season. Oh, totally, totally. And you know, I I knew we were going to. This was going to be an interesting podcast because I'm sitting here and while you're talking, I'm just like, you're oh yeah, I could talk about that. Oh, I need to talk about. Oh, I need to talk about this. And it's just and there's so much, so much information and so many cool tips and I guess mm-hmm. stories, things that have worked. 
Yeah. And so, but let's dive into something. And I'm almost a little bit hesitant to even touch on this in this podcast, but it's a very hot topic always. Every year I hear people talk about it. And, I'm on the edge of my seat. And it's how to kill call shy gobblers. Oh, that's, yeah. That's our notes um, for the podcast. And, you know, call shy turkeys, you hear it. I think you hear it by everybody. But I have a little bit different opinion than a lot of people or than some people. And... I guess in our notes it says how to kill call shy gobblers, and my next line is, "Are turkeys really call shy?" You know, um, we laid it out there. Yeah, <laughs> I did it. I did it. When you start talking about turkeys, understand they have a very small brain. I've missed that brain before when I've shot at them. Yeah, a very small brain. They have a very <laughs> they have a small head, yeah. and they ha- also have a very small brain. So then you start thinking about okay. Can a turkey with that small of a brain actually comprehend what what size are with that size of brain? What does he have as far as memory storage and then intellectual, I guess, understanding of predators, humans? What is it? And in my opinion, I don't really agree with the fact that you know it seems like every year I hear somebody, several people say, "Ah, I'm dealing with call shy birds." I don't always buy that just for the fact that. I don't even know if a turkey can remember what he had for breakfast an hour before, let alone yeah. the fact that he hears your call, whatever frequency, whatever striker, pot call, box call combination you're using, he hears that and starts associating that with danger. And I'll go ahead and say, now, I do agree with circumstances where people have called to turkeys every day. Maybe it's close to the house and you're just wearing them out, and they start associating that with kind of a, an area dead zone, if you will, a kind of a danger area. So you got anything you want to add to this? I think now that you've offended everyone, um, that there, that there's a difference between smart and weary and turkeys to me are weary. They, they don't want to put themselves in a situation that is going to jeopardize whether they're surviving or being killed by a predator, this, and that. So to me, they're very weary. They're not smart. They don't have the ability to be smart because of the brain size. So I don't think they're, they're example, remembering, again, a call, the sound of a call from day to day, if you will. So are they call shy? Uh, I don't know if it's not that they're, they're smart enough to remember call or if it's that some birds – are more weary er than others. Yeah. And and it could be that you're you're set up in an area where the turkey's just being weary. They don't go there because they're set up for a, an ambush. It's not their exactly. survival is very dependent on where they're at, obviously. And so if they're going into areas where they can get ambushed easy, they're not going to last very long. Or you know, they might know that coyotes frequent that that ridge a little bit more. They're not going to go over there. They're going to pitch down and go to the other one where they know it's safe. I just, I, I think that they're very weary. And, um, and again, it could be situa- situationally based. You think that they're call shy, but they could be surrounded by hens that aren't talking or that gobbler went to roost and he heard hens fly up and he knows right where they're at. And he doesn't have to gobble because he can pitch down and go a hundred yards and catch up with a couple hens that pitched uh-huh. up. He just doesn't want to gobble. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, and I, 
I told you that we would touch on this possibly, but we went ahead and no, you you we went head went first, head you first right into right it. in there. Um, and this is the thing I always laugh about when people say, when I hear this, and I, I've been guilty of it myself, but oh, I got outsmarted this morning by that Tom. And you think for a second, I kind of scratch my head and it's like, if you got outsmarted by that turkey. Oh, the rest of your life or the rest of the day, for that matter, isn't looking too good for you. So yeah. I don't. I would never say you get outsmarted by a turkey. Oh, I hope not anyway. Um, or it's an uphill battle for the rest of the day. <laughs> so, you know, turkeys are just, they're just so weary. And so, you know, I've always said they're just kind of, what's the word I'm looking for, Matt? They're always, they're so doggone skittish. They're looking that, for, they're looking for trouble. Yeah, the, exactly. They, they have one job. trouble everywhere they go. Survive, I guess two jobs, survive and reproduce. That's it. And so if and there's if anything that brings that into question, they're not going to do it usually. And so when right. you talked about uh, being wary and how they don't go to different areas, I always think of a hunt a couple years ago in Kentucky where we set up on a big oak ridge and there was a tom goblin a couple hundred yards off, and we were trying to call him up the road. But in between us – and the turkey, basically where he was going to be in range the last 60 yards and in, was two big berms on both sides of the road where they'd cut the road right through this little hill. And when we sat down, I kind of sat there, and I was like, there is no way this turkey's coming through here. And sure enough, he came up, got 80 yards out, and he veered off and went off on the road and tried to come around and button hook us. And it was because of the fact that he was going to be walking right into an ambush. Oh, absolutely. Or a potential ambush. And he just he was weary enough. To avoid that, um, again, like you said, you know, the two jobs, survive and reproduce. And if they're not surviving, number one, they're not doing number two, reproducing. So very weary, very, uh, very good survival instincts, if you will. And, you know, we touched on uh, on them being smart or not smart or call shy. But, all right, if you've got a bird who gobbles a couple times on the roost and he does shut up, what do you do? Might. My first instinct is to make a couple calls, especially if you're hunting with two people. You make a couple calls, you leave the guy with the gun where you're originally set up, and the guy that's calling backs off. Soft yelps like that hen is leaving and walking away. I've had that work many, many times on a call shy bird. You know, when he, that's only one it's in. late in the season. You say call shy bird. It's late in the season, and he's got. See, I, there I go. I said call shy bird. Yeah, you said call shy. Just bird. for reference. And, you know, I think that's whenever you really have to dip into the, the hat for, and for another trick. And for me, one of those tricks is always the wing. Oh. I always carry a wing with me, and I use that like, almost every time. Yeah, and, and for a, a couple different ways. But I always use it for fly downs, and I may not even do a fly down cackle. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I don't. Yep. Um, but I'll do a fly down, so it kind of gets his interest, and he's like, you know, there's a turkey flying down over there. There's that's got to be a hen. And then you also use it for scratching in the leaves. Scratching and the leaves is the most natural sound a turkey can make without opening its beak. A person. Yeah, and a person oh, can make. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and so replicate it like it's no one's business. That's why my best advice to anybody is if they ask, "Well, what kind of calls do you use?" And I always and I'll ask, "Do you have a wing?" No, get a wing. Get a wing. There's two things that happen when I go and sit down against a tree to set up on turkey. It's ask me to start calling for you and get your wing out. <laughs> yeah, right. No, it's get the wing out. 
and then just grab grab my uh, slate and set next to me. Sometimes yeah. I sometimes if the bird moves off, I, and I do want to hit him a little harder or louder. I, I have that, but usually run a diaphragm. But anyhow, it is have that wing in place so I can grab it and and use it to uh, my advantage. Again, that and that so, is the most natural sound. And, and if so, and going back to the call shy. Yeah, uh, call shy turkeys. If you are hunting a turkey, and and maybe the reason I, I guess I'll back up and say, I've dealt with turkeys where early on in my career I was like, oh, I think he's call shy, but I was hunting him every single day, Relentless. and he gobbled at me every like <laughs> he gobbled nonstop, right. and it was just like, I don't know if he like it's not like if if he associated my calls with danger, why why would he call why would he gobble at it? Mm-hmm. And so he gobbles at it and gobbles at it. But then I finally laid eyes on it, and he was surrounded with hens. So it was like, why would he leave? I'm just one person over here yapping in the woods, and he's got 12 hens with him. He's in the nightclub. So then you start thinking about, okay, is he really call shy? I would say no. And then you start thinking, okay, what's another approach? What can I do? I would go in closer on the roost Yep. and try to find the exact tree. So the afternoon before, I'm trying to find exactly where he's at pretty close and i'm going in way before early 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 and i've got my wing Mm -hmm. and i'm and i'm less than 100 yards and if i'm less than that and i can see him and he can probably see me then i may not use a wing but i would probably want to use a wing and just fly down and start scratching maybe a few soft yelps and clucks and try to pique his interest where he flies down and he flies down he's almost already in range yes absolutely and that goes back to a hunt i had in virginia growing up it was dad had hunted this bird and i was off at school and um, he goes, I ha- I just have not killed him. It seems like every time he flew off the roost, he went the other way. And I was like, all right, well, let's make a game plan. If he's roosting this area again, I'm going to try and get here to this point. And it was, it was close, 150 yards or so. Bird gobbles that next morning. I get there. It was two soft tree yelps, a couple purrs on the slate, and a fly down. And then I... I even put the fly, the the wing off to my side because I knew if I saw it, I'd be tempted. But I just tried to stay there, not do much. You know, Fifteen minutes later, gun went off and he was dead. It was just realistic and a natural sound that they hear every morning, and they're just comfortable with it. They're comfortable with closing in that distance. And you think of like birds feeding when you are scratching that wing. That that's replicating them scratching the leaves, feeding. And how calm are turkeys when they're feeding? You know, they're not you know, head up looking around for danger, they're feeding they're 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 very comfortable and that that's more convincing, I think. And it yeah. builds confidence it's in your not setup. Like you're calling saying, Hey, come over here. You're just scratching like and you're not oh, even these necessarily turkeys over here doing broadcasting doing what you're doing. You're just over there feeding and they're like, Man, there's turkeys up there and they want to know who it is. Yeah. yeah. So Definitely. Diving away from that, we'll just go right into talking about a lot of setups okay. on yeah. birds on the roost. We'll just say, you know, it, people ask, how do you, I guess, your approach on, you've got a bird roosted, you know where he's at, how are you hunting him the next morning? And for me, I guess I'm trying to get close, but not too close. There, Yeah, there's a point there's of a, like no return. There's a happy medium. Oh, yeah. And too close for me is when he's looking, when he's on the limb and he looks down and sees you right there and you can't even move, you're pinned against a tree, that's too close. Yes. But when you're 300 plus... And you're calling, you're like, I'm not even sure he hears me. That's too far. Or there's so much distance in between. Hints could be in between you guys. And sorry, but you're out of the game at that point. Or yeah. likely out of the game. He's not you hate pass. to bust them, but right. it's almost best to 
blow through it in the dark, and if you do bust well, him, so what? But yep. you know where he's at. Mm-hmm. And so I would say, for me, it's always, you know, 100 to 200 yards, give yep. or take the terrain. There's always there's true. always other variables. Based, but, but from, a, I guess, a overhead, I would say 100 to 200 yards. I want to be close enough to pique his interest, but not too close that he's pinning me against a tree when he opens his eyes in the morning. And so set up 100, 200 yards away. I'm there before sun up. Usually I like to hear him gobble for the first time, and I'm already set up. But I'll be honest, that almost that doesn't happen all the time. We're usually yeah, running saying, late. Oh, well, running later, you're, uh, you don't have patience when it comes to waiting on a turkey to gobble, so you're soft tree. Okay, there you go. <laughs> no, I hoot, man. I got to hoot first. So, you know. <laughs> Yeah. There's, I guess there's a lot of different things, but we've already, let's just say we've already roosted the bird. We're going to try and get set up 100 yards from you yeah. in an area we know turkeys like to frequent. Not, this is where you can deal with those call shy or wary birds. If mm-hmm. you're set up somewhere where they, you don't see them a lot, there's probably a reason for that. So trying to set up close where you know they're natural or are comfortable in that area. Yes, definitely. So then the next, I guess the next thing would be after we've, set up on them the first thing we're doing is soft tree yelps yeah absolutely i you can't just start no. cutting and blasting away i think a lot of people uh, you know there, there's a time and place for that and and right off the roost is is not on the roost excuse me on the roost is excited not yelps cutting not not the time not the time i don't wake up and just start clicking my heels together like a leprechaun i, I i'm slow to get up and so are turkeys you know there's those soft tree yelps communicating if you will, with the turkeys right there and the tree canopies around them. Like, that's all that they're doing. And that's what you're communicating. They're Absolutely. saying, hey, guys, I'm, I'm awake now. Get up. And it's just really soft calling. Um, and that that's how you get them started. After that, I like to transition into um, soft purrs. Again, that's a purr is just a very calming sound to turkeys. Um, that's just how they the the natural way of oh what is that adam my wing oh well get uh, we've been talking so much and and i've already had my stuff out uh, last week so we're in the office today and it's like you know what i think my bag of calls and stuff's right over here so i pulled out the wing to, to while you're talking about that i can do yeah. maybe some of this probably sure, not going to sure. sound as good against a tree but so you say you're doing soft tree yelps and purrs a few purrs yeah and that's not like feeding purrs no that's no, like no, no. the you know, you, you're, yeah, and so then I'll even, I like to be, I've, and I've, there's, everybody's got an opinion on this, but I like to be the first turkey on the ground. I know some people that like to wait till they're on the ground to start calling to mm-hmm. them. Uh-uh, not, not me. I like to call to them. I, when he wakes up in the morning, I want him to be thinking about me and me only. Yep. And a lot of times you'll hear other hens start calling or whatever. But as long as I can get him focused on me, be the first one on the ground, I really always feel like I have a, a, a good better chance. chance. Yeah, definitely. definitely. And so I've made a few tree yelps, and then I'll even get the wing out. And I'm scratching the – I'm kind of like a – I'm a hen in the tree. She's starting to kind of stretch her wings out. Fan she's, out. She's yeah. stretching those muscles. She's getting ready to fly down. Yep. And then – and I don't know if it'll even pick up, but – then that's when I do a fly down. And a lot of times, you know, I guess 
the turkey culling contest has everybody wanting to do fly down cackles, but a lot of time I don't even do a fly down cackle. No. I may check in the turkey's temperature. If he's gobbling like crazy and I want to have a little more fun with him, I will do a fly down cackle. But a lot of times I'll just do a fly down, and I may do I might do multiples. So I may sound like three or four turkeys flying down, and so I'll just kind of do a soft a few soft tree ups. A couple minutes pass, and I feel like okay, there's enough light. Turkeys be on the ground by now. You can see everything around. That's when I hit them with the fly down. And that, that's multiple turkeys right there flying down. Yeah. And, um, again, I, I, I kind of like numbers game. Uh, yeah. You've got that bird's attention. You kind of keep that on the roost. And then he hears three birds flying down. Hey, those odds Absolutely. are pretty good for him. Then as soon as I get done with that, I'll, of course, I'll let the uh, base of the woods calm down yep. and make sure his eyes aren't in my direction still. And I may give a few – I'll start scratching leaves. Absolutely. And that's when your soft, soft calls and a few purrs come in. Mm-hmm. And, and just you know, soft, soft and that, yelps. They're not they're not that tree yelp, but they're just kind of assembling a little bit. You yeah. Know, sometimes sometimes as those hens are on the the roost, they're not pitching off in the exact same direction. They might pitch off at the same time, but one kind of goes to the north fifty yards. The other one's over here. And once they hit the ground, they they scratch around a little bit, and then they just kind of assemble, if you will. Mm-hmm. So that those calls might get a little bit it, louder. That's where that's where you, you you've got your mouth call in or two mouth calls or mm-hmm. whatever. And you've hit them a few times. Then you may break out a little slate and hit it with yeah. a soft call. It's just sound like multiple turkeys again. Yep. So he's heard the wing beats, and now he's heard a couple different tones. So now he really start thinking, okay, there's multiple hens up there. Maybe that's the hens I was running with yesterday. Let alone they could be roosted 100, 100 yards away from me. He yeah. forgot all about them. Once again, we go back to the size of the brain. They may not even know. Mm-hmm. And so you throw in that. That's when I start... That's where you make the decision, okay, when is too much? Yes. And if he knows you're there, he's gobbled at your calls, and there's a good chance there's no other hens in the area or not close enough to intercept, I'm going to sit down and give him a little bit of silent treatment. I'm kind of closing up shop there. Yeah. And I'll wait a few minutes, and if he keeps gobbling, you can always tell. They start gobbling at nothing. They're gobbling at air. You know they're like... Please tell me where you're at. Exactly. And then that's when you kind of almost start reeling them in. Yep. Because they start gobbling at nothing. And you can hear him kind of, or you can, let's say you can see him in a tree or you can hear him in a tree and he's starting to move around. You know he's getting excited and he's getting, getting ready to fly antsy. down to come your way. Yes. Yes. And then when he flies down, I may hit him one more time just to get him to gobble on the ground because that's what it's all about. <laughs> and then it's, then that's game over. But let's say now we've, okay, he's, He's bit the hook, if you will. But now let's say there's other hens involved, and they start flying down, and he's getting ready to go with them. That's when you start playing that mimicry, trying to get those yes. other hens fired up to come your way. Definitely. Definitely. Call them in. He's coming, no doubt. And, um, yeah, it's, it's hook, line, sinker at that point. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I think you said it. You, you said it right. You know, if he's on that roost and, and his the, the time in between his gobbles is shortening – he wants it, and he wants to know where you are. And sometimes he's just going to throw in the towel, and he's like, I'm coming to find you. Yeah. That's what you want. You want to you want to provide a, a confident situation, a situation, excuse me, that is confident for him enough to come in and that piques his interest enough. And again, when you're hearing those, those, those gobbles and you hear him pitch down, 
I might give them a couple of just soft. And then I'm, again, closing up shop. I, I, the next thing I want to hear are footsteps. Yeah. Well, and, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the mistakes I made growing up. Yeah. I remember I grew up watching a lot of Primo's hunting tapes and the Drury Brothers. And, and I always remember the Primo's. Will always saying he called too much, he called too loud. And I was like, okay, well, Will Primo's does it. I can do it. Yeah. But Will always knew when to shut up. I didn't. And yeah. so a lot of times, you know, there's always that period, and it may only be a minute or so, but it seems like an eternity yeah. when a yeah. turkey gobbles the last time and he's getting ready to fly down he usually doesn't gobble no and he gets pretty quiet and that's when you're like well what did he just get spooked what right. did a coyote run underneath him what's going on so then you start hitting him more <laughs> and he's already made up his mind and you yeah. start calling so much he's like now you're acting funny him yeah you and were you were happens, cool and he's like nah i don't really want to run with her today or whoever that is she's he kind gets, of a loud he mouth gets or whatever leery he gets yes there you go he gets leery of the yeah. situation and, exactly. Uh, yeah, you honestly, that's the thing. It really, like, uh, a wing and patience. I, I don't, I, if I had patience in the turkey woods, I'd probably kill more turkeys. But knowing when to do it, when not to do it, when to call, when not to call, that that's that's the secret of it all. Yeah. So let's dive into, so let's say he did fly down. He went with some hens. Oh, that joker. Yeah. And you're like. Doggone it, I sounded pretty good this morning. Yeah. And I, you, know, so, you know what you say? You say, I listened to a podcast where these two guys were telling me what to do, and I did exactly what they told me what to do, and bird pitches down and goes on a different route. Now we're going to tell them what to do for that case. They didn't come your way. <laughs> so, you know, mid-morning, and, and I say this, it's like, because I love killing around elf roost, but those mid-morning hunts, if you can tell, we really love turkey hunting. So it's like, ooh, I love killing mid-morning. But you can't always have, as my wife always tells me, you can't have your yeah. cake and eat it too. It's just one of those things. You can't have it both ways. You only have two tags in Missouri, so let's make it work. So mid-morning, they've shut up. Now you're prospecting. Yep. Burning burning the boot rubber. Mm-hmm. Putting on some laying tracks, and you're starting to prospect. How do you do it? My biggest thing, I want to get to a point where it just feels turkeyish, if if you will. Like you, I don't ever stop and call in a place that a turkey wouldn't come to. I think that's that's the thing. Like, okay, I've, I've covered 150 yards. I'm going to prospect again here. Yet, just like you like like you said earlier, you shared that story of like there's two big berms on that road. I'm not going to stop and prospect right there. Where those berms are because I might have a bird that just gobbles and he's. A hundred yards away, or just over top of the edge of a of a ridge, and I can't move. I I'm not running and gunning and stopping in locations that I don't feel like I could get set up. And a turkey wouldn't come into me. Absolutely, and I think it's important that people understand that when you are prospecting, you haven't heard that bird's so ears walking around. You don't do it when you're standing in the middle of a field. No, you don't do it when you're standing next to the house. Because if he does gobble, he just gobbles right back at you, and he's right in range. You then have to move a, a, a distance to get to it. So Correct. right before you ever prospect, hit that call, you always want to be like, okay, if he gobbles, you may not have to say it to your hunting buddy, but you're thinking it in your head, okay, if he gobbles, we're going to set up by those two trees. You have a game plan already set in your head before you even before make a call. Before you enter the match, if you Absolutely. will, by calling. Absolutely. So as soon as you call, if he gobbles and he's – 
right there. You're just like, okay, sit down right there, boom, and now you're in the game. Yep. So prospecting. I, and, you know, you can do all kinds of different stuff. There's all kinds of different calls. Yeah. Um, and I like to – the biggest thing for me, as with all of our habitat, is diversity. We always, like, changing it up. We don't use the same thing over and over. Like, I know people that used to use just a peacock call to prospect. Mm-hmm. So whenever you were on the property and you heard a peacock call, you were like, oh, they're so-and-so. They're at it again. So change it up. You know, use a crow call mid-morning. Yep. Uh, then you hit the old slate call. You hit a box call. Something that's high frequency, cut through the wind, cut through the ground, or uh, cut through the air to the where you can really cover some distance. Yeah. I think but that's a big I thing, covering that, distance. But if you're prospecting in the timber, sometimes it's always best to hit them with the mouth call first. It, it definitely can be. Um, yeah, that way you're be. not blasting them. Mm-hmm. Um, you're just blowing their hats off of them with a box call point blank and they're like whoa yeah and they kind of push because it out of the way turkeys are very aware again that gobbler if you scream at him from you know a little distance away in the timber basically he's thinking okay that hen should have known i was here like whether you're in tune with it or not turkeys are doing a lot of soft calls in the timber and if you blow him his hat off like he said Basically, he's thinking that hen that was right there screaming should have known I was here. Like, mm-hmm. I was just scratching the leaves. I heard them coming, but you didn't hear me. Yeah. They're they're leery. Yeah, for sure. So always mix it up. Hit them with crow call. You know, if you're out west, areas of high coyote population, I say out west. Now that's any that's everywhere anymore. Pretty much, but, yeah. Um, in open open country. You can even hit them with coyote howler. They will gobble back. Yeah. No doubt on that. So, run around, prospect, and use, mix it up. Yep. In the timber, use your mouth calls, too. Don't overlook those. And then always have game plan, a place to set up before you ever do it. Even if no you're doubt. just crow calling, you still want to have game plan. Yeah. All right, so he gobbles back, and he's 200 yards away. After after you just, you you know, you let out a locator call, and he gobbles back. It's late oh, morning. Oh, you love this part. Yeah. You set down, you give him another call, and if, and 30 seconds, 45 seconds, maybe a minute or two. Once you get set up, get everything situated, get your decoy out, hit him with another call. If he gobbles and he's closer, obviously you, you, you're in the game. I'd say click the safety off. Yeah, <laughs> sit there and wait. But a lot of times is you get him to gobble, and then you sit down and you start calling, he doesn't gobble again. That That's a pretty regular that, occurrence. That's, to me, that's that mid-season Late morning turkey. Yes, for sure. It's just a, uh, it's kind of one of those, just a uh, a shot gobble. They shot gobble at you, yep. and you're like, oh, yeah, we're in the game. And then he doesn't gobble at you again. To and me, he's most likely got a, a hands with him. Absolutely. He wants to know he's, he's like, there. Hey, I'm over here. Come right. on. Come on. Catch come, up. Come with us. And then he doesn't gobble a lot of times because the hens have let him away. Let him away. Yep. And the hens Absolutely. are like, oh, there's another hen. Let's move. Mm-hmm. And. So that's just it's, that's a regular occurrence. So don't think that he just didn't like your call or he saw you. A lot of times it has to do with the fact that he has hens with him, exactly. especially if he doesn't gobble back. So yeah. Um, now let's you know I I think that pretty well covers our our prospecting side of it. You know you're you're using different calls. You have a game plan. What are some things when you're doing that? What are some things that you look for, Matt? That are you just like no, I'm not setting up here. What are things that if I guess. What are what are the roadblocks? What are the physical yeah. barriers that could be in between you and turkey that 
a lot of times, and we don't always say, we're not going to say that are going to permanently block them because I've seen Correct. turkeys do crazy things. <laughs> Unbelievable things, yeah. But for the majority of the time, what are some things that turkeys just won't come across? Honestly, growing up in farm country, one of the, my, my pet peeves is a five-strand barbed wire fence. <laughs> or woven wire. Or woven wire. Woven wire is probably even worse. They know it's there. You know it's there. It's just one of those things, you know, you have in the back of your head, you're like, ah, that stinking fence. If I could close the distance or get on the other side of that fence without him hearing me, I'd feel a lot more confident about this setup. And, again, it goes back to him being leery that he he's just in a vulnerable position when he crosses that fence and or goes under it or, you know, well, comes I'm going to beat a dead horse here. Yeah. And I'm going to say, how many times, you don't have to tell me, but I, how many times have you been driving down the road and you see a turkey on the side of the road trying to get through a woven wire fence, and he can't do it, or she can't do it. They look pretty silly, don't they? They look, I hate to say it, but they're not that smart when it comes right. to And that's why I I hope I never say this line, but when you say you got outsmarted by a turkey, sometimes, a lot of times, they can't even figure out how to cross a four-foot-tall woven wire fence. So yeah. I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to say that a, I had a uh, a turkey outsmart me if they can't even I'm gonna, do that. I'm going to hold you to that. Okay. You know yeah. I will. All right. I appreciate that. <laughs> so that's kind of not necessarily, you know, it could be the fact that they don't want to cross the fence, or it could be the fact that they don't know how to cross that fence. <laughs> I and think, a lot I of think times you'll start hearing them move, like they're moving back, up and, back down, up and, and forth. It's because they're walking back and forth trying to find a way to get through it. Mm-hmm. It's not that they're trying to button hook around and sneak in the back door. They just don't know how to cross that fence. And you think – they're so wound up, like they have a small brain. They're so wound up that they're focused on that hen. That's like, I can't, I don't, I can't process how to think about crossing this fence yeah. because I'm thinking about her. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. So fences, uh, same way. Grew up with cattle farm, and it was just like a lot. And a lot of times that was, if you were hunting a property, like we just got permission to hunt a property and. We're set up on a bird. He's coming. All of a sudden, he just stops, but he continues gobbling, yeah. and then he eventually works off. To me, it's almost, and in, in from seeing it, actually seeing it happen, this is what I believe happens most of the time. When you have a bird coming in, and he continues gobbling, but he doesn't come past this point midway, whatever it is, however many yards, and then he eventually drifts off, a lot of times he's gobbled so much, he's gobbled a hen up. There's a hen That's in the area very, very that true. has been like, she hears him gobbling. She eventually goes to him mm-hmm. and walks off, and he follows her. But he keeps yeah. gobbling at you because he hadn't forgot about you. Yeah. Or he, he knows you're there. He may forget about you in 45 minutes. Or 20 but, seconds. Or 20 <laughs> seconds. And, yeah, yeah, a lot of times it's it's a lot shorter than that. And it's just because he couldn't cross that fence, but the hens or hen went to him. Uh, that's that's, that's very a, true. Actually, I had that that situation happened last year. It was late morning. That happens every year. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it, it, I remember it so distinctly because I was so frustrated at that point because it was so it was so late in the day. It was like that twelve thirty time range, and there's another barrier. So I'll tie this in. It'll make sense. This was a a, a new field that had been dozed off, and it was a big um, dozer deck that this bird. He didn't want to come across hmm. into the field on the low end of it. So what he did, he ended up working through a pasture and came up high. But he gobbled so much that he got up, gobbled up another hen. I, 
basically when he came around the top of the dozer deck, I saw him come from the north. He was coming from the south. And I was like, well, dadgummit, here I did all this work. And he got one up a hen, and boom, that was it. He goes that's why I don't like, you know, when you have a turkey that's gobbling, you, you pull up to a spot, you're doing prospecting, you go to the other side of the farm, you go somewhere else, public ground even, and you hear a bird gobbling. I Things get intense because it's like, I know he's gobbling. He's gobbling yes. to attract hens. Yes. And if I don't get to him, somebody else or another hen will. So when he's gobbling, that's him saying, come on. Come to me. Yes. And then absolutely. a lot of times the game plan is to get close enough to where you can bring him to you. Mm-hmm. But if he's sitting there gobbling, and this happens more times than I ever want to know, but you hear him gobbling, you get up there close just to hear him shut up before you even call, it's because he gobbled up a hint most of the time. A lot of times. Absolutely. So going back to things that you don't like seeing, fences, obviously, fences. low wire, yeah. high fence if you're in Texas or whatever. Yeah. And, and, you know, they will fly them. But – it's if we're looking for ideal setups, that's not ideal. Correct. Another thing is you don't like creeks, rivers, yep, lakes, yep. bodies Ponds, of water, anything absolutely. they can't just walk straight across. And yep. it could be a small ditch, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. they just are like, you know, I don't want to cross it or whatever. So anything like that, try not to get set up. And, in and between it, you. it can be kind of based on the habit, habitat too. Like you're down in Florida, and there's a lot of just kind of puddles and just lowland. A little puddle. To that bird, is like daily routine. Mm-hmm. But you get a flood up here in Missouri and you got water standing, they're like, oh, my gosh, I don't know what it is. But yeah. you just got to think ahead of time and just make sure you you put yourself in between the bird. Basically, everything in between the bird is just easy. Like It's it, natural. It, it's just natural. They're not, they're not going to just know, hold up. We talk up. about roads and berms and kind of little pinches like that. Yeah. That's also, you know, they, they could walk through that every single day. But for some reason, you trying to call them through it and convince them to come through it puts off a little trigger in their small little pea-sized brain to where they're like, you know, I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. too uh, – I could get killed. Yep. So yep. – and even roads, highways, anything that's not natural. So – and, you know, you could go out and call up 50 birds across a road and say, you're crazy. And then you turn around and try and call in the next 10, and they all hang up on the road and they don't cross it. We're talking about ideal setups. I'm not saying we aren't going to do it ourselves, yeah. but in an ideal world, you try to avoid having things like that in there. And you think if there is a fence, I always think maybe he'll find a hole or maybe he'll be a smart one and he'll fly it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah. in an ideal world, we try to have all these out of our way. Yeah. Yeah. You want to put all the variables in, in your favor. Yeah. So here's the next topic. Yeah. And this is kind of one that we always, it seems like it's always in the least the place you least expect it. All of a sudden, things are coming together. You've got a bird working across the field, and you're like, oh, I got him. I got him. You're already thinking about punching that tag, and all of a sudden, here they come, a flock of jakes. The bully jakes. And so those stinking things are about the most frustrating thing in the world when it comes yes. to, for a turkey hunter. And my brother and I used to hunt out in Kansas a lot when I was in college on public ground, and there was one walk-in hunting area that – for a whole year, it was one of our favorites. It's like, oh yeah, we're gonna go, we're we're gonna kill one out there on that place. And that year, there was a flock of ten to twelve jakes mm. that just any time a gobbler stepped out and started gobbling, here they came. Yeah, they'd run him out of the field. And it's, you know, they're not by themselves. They're nobody. Oh man, they're they're a wimp by themselves. 
Yeah. But it's when they get together when they, when they get flock that group. up, they become punks. Yes. I'll say it. Punk. They're punks. Exactly. They're punks. And so how do you handle punks? You can't start shooting them because you don't have enough tags. Yeah. Unless you start bringing in guests. Yeah. Uh, but that's the next year's screaming that's, two-year-olds. Yeah. Oh, don't get me started on two-year-old birds. And so <laughs> it's like, how do you handle yeah. a flock of punk jakes that are hanging out in your favorite little hunting area? And this this is my advice. This is how I've dealt with them, even though it's not conventional. You just think of, okay, how do you handle them? What do you do? You can't shoot them all. You can't. What What do you do? Well, to me, it's a non-target. It's a non-target. It's like it's the same. It's even worse, but it's like a flock of, or a, a, a flock, a herd of cattle. Yeah. You know, sometimes you set up on a bird, and for some reason you start calling, and cow one cow spots you, and they all come and stand behind you. Well, game over. Same way with these. It's like you start calling, drawing attention. Here come the jakes, the boat, the punk jakes. Mm-hmm. So what my approach with those is the old fall hunting turkey fall turkey hunting tactic bust them up get them going and bust up that flock again they're 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 power in numbers and they think they're somebody when they've got their buddies four or five of them around them um but when they're off by themselves they get quite uh they're quite a lot the wimpy behavior if you will. yes absolutely so bust them up and and you may be scared that you're gonna you're gonna spook that tom so ideally it's is you know you hear that Tom Goblin he's 200 yards out then the Jakes fly up, or come in and you're like okay now's the time run out in the middle of them scatter those things get them gone get them flying everywhere and you have you have a, a little bit of time it could be they could be flocked back together in six hours or that afternoon but you have that period from busting them up till when they get back together to really get that Tom to behave to close the distance exactly he's still going to know that they're that the, he's going to assume that those bully jakes are around but they're not going to come in and run him off no so if you know he does commit to a setup you don't have that fear of that that flock of bully jakes coming in and i've had it happen luckily the bur- the gobbler had closed in um you know to 40 yards before i started hearing these immature gobbles back behind me and they were close in the distance and he was hanging up at 40 but it's too late for him already. But I mean, it was flat ruin the hunt. Yeah, absolutely. So what what will make you feel better than what will make you feel better when a bunch of punk jakes come in? Scatter them. Just scatter. Scare them, them to death. <laughs> <laughs> and you scatter them. You're not. I mean, they're not like flying out of the country. They're just flying out a little ways, and they'll start trying to gather back up. But that gives you enough time to hopefully bring that tom into into range. Yep, definitely. Absolutely. Well, we really, only we're my gosh, we're, we're wrapping up this podcast. We got one more topic. Let's cover it. Let's I, it. I like talking about it. So, roosting birds. Oh, roosting. Roosted is roasted. A lot of people say. <laughs> uh, a lot of people swear that doesn't happen. But you know, I like to roost. I feel like you you're ahead of the game when you can get a bird roosted the night before um, the hunt. And so, yeah, definitely different ways we've you know growing up, Matt. On the family farm, birds did not gobble in the afternoons. My dad swears they don't. Yeah. He, he grew up in, he's only hunted Virginia. Um, no, he did hunt New York, but we never heard a turkey gobble in New York, so he hates that place. Sorry if you're from New York, but um, he swears gobblers don't gobble in the evening. Yeah. Didn't believe in roosting because it yeah. just didn't happen. Well, so, and I think that was because we would go out and we just kind of listen. We'd hit them with a 
Al Hoop, and they wouldn't gobble and be like, oh, shucks. Okay. Not tonight, boys. Not tonight. But then it started changing things up, and, mm-hmm. and you know, that time of year, they like to gobble. They like it. it. Brings in hens. Yeah. I mean, I would like to gobble, too, if I was in those shoes. So yeah. it's just like. You didn't have a ring on your finger? Yeah. If you didn't have a ring on your finger, you I, I wouldn't mean, stop I mean, if I gobbling. was a turkey. If I was a turkey. Yeah. And so, you know, you think about it. It's like, okay, how do I get them excited? Or mm-hmm. it, for me, I'm trying to make them shock gobble. I'm not trying to gobble or call to them and get them to gobble to come in. I'm just trying to get them to gobble so that I know their location. Exactly. And so, you know, I'll start off with some hoots, some mm-hmm. simple hoots. And, uh, you know, who cooks for you, who cooks for you, all type <laughs> stuff. And if they don't gobble with that, I'll give it a little while, and I may go into some hooting with some laughing, you know. And uh, it's hard to explain this to everybody, just – but, you know, you go into owl laughter, if you will. It, that's actually a term. He's not trying to be yeah. silly. So you if, know, you, if you it, don't know it, I'll just use my natural owl. voice yeah. and just say, just ooh, 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 ooh. Stuff like that, just get a little excited. And if they don't gobble at that, then I may hit them with a real loud stuff, just trying to make them gobble, make them shot gobble. And I'll hit them with that for a little while. And then if they still haven't gobbled, I'm scratching my head and hoping for a big burst of thunder somewhere in the area to get them Mm -hmm. to, to gobble at. But if not, then I'll bust out right. Just where I feel like they're on the roost, it's getting low light, it's already natural, there's probably coyotes in your area, unless you're one of those blessed and you don't have them, but you've got coyotes in the area, and right, just, it's getting low light, hit them with a real quick, sharp, just, just try to get them to gobble at the, at the uh, coyote howl, and that's that's how I, that's, that's my approach. It, honestly... It's a really simple, you listen, you throw a few hoots out there. Again, you're just trying to locate. You're not trying to yeah. get them close the distance. You're not trying to get them to come in to roost in a better spot. Let them do their normal thing. You just want to get the information as to where they're at for the next morning. And it could be as far as, you know, there's if I'm hunting a family farm, I'm going to one spot, and I'm sitting there till almost dark, and then I move up another 200 yards, and I get on the bluff. And I listen from there. And that's when I really – I don't even call from the first spot. I'm just observing, trying to catch him go, cutting through the field, going back to roost. Yep. yep. And then I'll hit him with those owl hoots. Then I'll hit him with the coyote howl. And that's that's it. That's that's it's pretty my approach. But, you know, some people use those peacock calls. Um, mm-hmm. And they work. And hawks, too. And hawks, yeah. Hawk locator but calls. But as far as roosting in the afternoons and evenings, that's what I'm that's doing. A, I'm that's an owl coyote game. And it, and. It, I'll step up again. And I'll say, if they gobbled at the hooter at the at the hoot tube, I ain't hitting the coyote holler. No, no, that's no, last no. resort. Oh, I'm yeah. just gonna try it. Yep. And I don't want to do that. I'm doing that in the middle of the open. I'm not doing that in the timber mm-hmm. where I think there could be turkeys close to me. So that's my approach. Uh, yeah, you got anything I, you want to add to roosting turkeys? No, I I think honestly, once you know where they're at, once you've roosted them, if they are gobbling and receptive to locator call in the evening. Uh, <laughs> It just plan out what you're gonna do. Uh, go in with a solid game plan. If you know the timber, if you if you know where you're setting up, really think of of what's in between you and that turkey, and and try to make it the the path of least resistance and something that a turkey would just feel comfortable going through. Like Adam said earlier, you know, set up in a place where turkeys frequent. 
that's in a reasonable range of that bird off the roost. And um, if I do if I do know where a bird is roosted at, I will definitely get in. I, I like to get in early. I don't like to absolutely to, to waste. I want to hear those first sounds because it could be a hen just really soft, just tree yelping, and I want to hear that. I want to know where she's at. And not just that, but you want to hear. I w- big part of it why we do it is I want to hear nature come back. To oh. I want to hear them wake up in the morning. I want to yeah. hear the whippoorwills. Everything. I want to hear all that. That's spring that's, peepers. Uh, oh. I just want to. I want to be immersed in it. Yeah, absolutely. I love killing turkeys, but I love just a spring morning. I would much rather just hear the spring morning than just shoot a turkey. Yeah, uh, that's all just part of the experience to me. Yeah, I think it's just. I think that's that's why we should be going out there is to enjoy that, uh, hands that down. nature. Hands down. Waking up. We haven't talked enough about it on this podcast, but. Maybe 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 next week or something. We'll you know, I was sitting here thinking, you know, maybe we ought to do a podcast, and, and people are going to start catching on. Or kind of just like, oh, what's a hot topic right now? Well, let's talk about it. Yeah. And I think this is where you're not going to immigration, are you? Nope. Oh, okay. No. Don't get no. a start on that. Absolutely not. Uh, what we're doing is we're going to talk about anything hunting. We may even talk about fishing on here, spear fishing, something else I love. We may talk about all kinds of different stuff in the outdoors. Yeah. Habitat management, conservation, but definitely, um, we ought to talk about a turkey hunt on public ground. Yeah, we'll do that next I, time or sometime. I've got stories from Virginia. Absolutely, that'll you. I'll tell you, and you won't even believe it happened on public ground. Just how on fire these birds were. And you're like, that doesn't happen on public ground. But yeah, absolutely. Let's we'll do cover, it. We'll cover public ground sometime. I like it. Yeah. Like all it. right. Well, for I guess for today though, That's let's wrap it. this baby up. Yeah, strategies for killing turkeys, hunting turkeys, enjoying enjoying the outdoors. Yep, all that was covered today. Hope everybody enjoyed it. Maybe picked up some information. Hopefully, they can get out there. Maybe they take something and they bring their grandkid out, or grandkid, their kid, son, or, or daughter, or wife. Who cares? Just get just them out. get more people outdoors. So, Absolutely. and it, I guess wrap it up though. Yeah. Thanks for tagging along, and uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah.